Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, this is Catherine Ryan. I'm telling everybody everything. I have to warn you that the podcast this week, because I didn't want to miss it, takes place on set in Birmingham at the School of Jewelry. It's loud. People have very little respect for me there. They come every five minutes and ask me to do something almost like I'm being paid to work. And I'm trying to do my podcast in the little dressing room area that Fiona and Jen and I share, but it's very open. I mean, it's basically the lobby and you can hear that. So, I mean, some people have reported from previous podcasts, they like that. They really feel like they're on the road with us. Other people are annoyed by the background noise, but look, I've been pulling 19 hour days and Fred wakes up every two hours in between. So it's rough. It's tough and it's rough, but I'm very grateful So I've just popped home to London to pack because we're going to Warrington tonight on tour this weekend. Oh, where are we? Bradford, Warrington, Manchester, Telford. Oh, we're not in Manchester yet. We're actually staying in Manchester and satelliting around so that Fred's not too disrupted. If you bought tickets for the Warwick, it's not Warwick, whatever, uh, Wrexham date, that venue has gone into liquidation. You should have been notified. I didn't cancel the tour, the venue, due to the horror that is COVID and lockdowns and the massive strain on the arts and entertainment industry. That venue is kaput. So we have rescheduled an hour away to Telford, not rescheduled, relocated. And I know that's not convenient for everyone. So you'll all get refunds for your Wrexham tickets. But if you'd like to rebook for Telford, we have plenty of tickets left because we just put it out. And I mean, it's a, I'm told by my friend Carrie, who's from Telford, that it's a weird place. I've never been. I don't, I don't always take people's um, recommendations when they say their hometown is shit, Carrie, because I always say Sarnia is shit, but some people like it and you can get delicious fries under the bridge aka chips so over to birmingham here you go here's the start of the podcast and we'll wrap it back up here in london because i wasn't able to finish on account of the disrespect Hello and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. It's going to be a little bit of background noise because once again, you are joining me with Jen and Fiona in our dressing room. Although it's not exactly a dressing room like it was back maybe a few months ago when we brought you on set with us. This, ooh, listen to that noise. What could that possibly be? You know what? I've been here for weeks and I don't fucking know. We're in the Birmingham School of Jewelry and our dressing room, I wish I could show you a photo of it, but picks our band on set, um, is the foyer of the university. And there are high, high ceilings, an open door, just a revolving door. It's open right now. Uh, Fiona's wearing a jacket. No one cares about us. The conditions 
at the BBC are grim. So if you, or probably your grandparent, is a license holder and you complain about, well, why are they spending that much money on this or that? They, they aren't. They aren't. Uh, I think I'm losing money on this job, but it's worth it for the love of the craft. I adore all that glitters. And if you haven't seen Series 1, you can watch it on BBC iPlayer. And I'm excited to be back for Series 2. I thought Birmingham had no five-star hotels. And that's a, that's a real relatable problem that I'm sure a lot of you um, can vibe with. But this week has been a joy because I found out Birmingham does have one good hotel. It's called The Grand it is newly refurbished. It's where Tom Cruise stayed when the picture of him at the Indian restaurant went viral. I think he stayed in the private apartment there, and I'm staying in a regular room, but let me tell you, that regular room, head and shoulders above the rest. Without giving too much away, Jen and Fiona, for some reason, are more amenable than I am. They're nicer people. They're staying down the road, and I won't stay there, but I will walk over in a dressing gown in the morning to get my makeup done and to get dressed. And when I do, I encounter a fucking host of problems. I asked the night reception man for some coffee, and he was like, uh, there's coffee in your room, in the pods. You need to make your own coffee. Use the water from the tap and fill that shit machine and make yourself a coffee from the pod. And then use the little tin of, like, long-life milk. And I was just like, do you know what? No. Please, can you bring me a coffee? I know that you can do it. I saw you in the lift earlier bringing a coffee to someone else, so do not act like it's an impossible feat. Just basic customer service is all I ask. And when you hear a North American accent, you should know that that person has probably experienced a level of customer service in their life where someone has brought them a fucking coffee at 6 in the morning. That's all I ask. I'm not asking for the moon. In the end, he did bring me the coffee, and it was lovely, but I'm sure he licked all of the mugs. I was in Birmingham on tour this week as well. That was convenient. I did Birmingham Symphony Hall, and then Birmingham's own Joe Lysett popped by for a drink afterwards. It was a pleasure to see Joe. If you've not seen Joe Lysett in a while, he's on tour. He's got a load of projects. He is travel man. He's just everything to me, and I don't think I've seen him in the flesh for about two years, so that was fun. But then the very next night, I had to go to Reading after a full day of filming all the glitters. That ended up being a 19-hour day. And don't forget, you know, I am the baby's mother, even though I thought the arrangement was going to be that I was Fred's dad. So I do have to stay up all night with him, too. I started to kind of lose it. I'd had so much family visiting. We had Bobby's sisters. We had Bobby's mom. We had Bobby's nieces. We had my dad and his wife, my stepmom, Cher Bear. We had my mom come, and it was just a lot of extra emotional energy, entertaining, going to Winter Wonderland, all this stuff, and the busy work schedule. A lot of people are asking, how do you do it? The answer is, I don't. I do it all poorly. But this week, we had to sort of change gears because I was super tired. I need to finish filming All That Glitters, but during the week, which is unusual. Now, I have two children. Violet goes to school in London during the week, so we can't bring the whole family up anywhere. So we decided very, you know, controversially, you know what? Fred's five months old. Fred and Bobby, you stay in London with Violet. I will also sleep in London, but I'll get in the car to Birmingham 4 a.m. every day. Drive to Birmingham, film, finish around 7 o'clock, get in the car again, come back to London, then at least I'm sleeping in my own bed. And everyone's like, well, this is an extra long day now. What are you thinking? If we have any new parents out there who have a similar schedule to mine, getting in the car at 4 a.m. is the jam. It's the best thing that you can hope for because I've got more sleep this week than ever. I'm sleeping a solid two hours, 
where no one is asking for milk or crying or waking up in the middle of the night, I feel like I am a newborn baby myself, just being rocked to sleep by the motion of the M25, the M1, whatever highway I take to get here. Sorry, motorway. And it's just been bliss. I have more energy than ever. Two solid hours of sleep on the way here. I bring a pillow and a duvet. Two solid hours of sleep on the way back. It's phenomenal. I was home for one day in London on the Monday. That was a little admin day. I was doing some voiceover work. And also, we decided to have Cardi, the little black poodle, spayed. She's almost three years old. And you might think, oh, it's irresponsible. You've waited this long to have your dog spayed. It isn't. For a variety of reasons. There are a lot of vets who say that you should allow your puppy to have one season. By season, essentially, I mean ovulation period time. Because then you know that their you know, whole like system is fully matured. And then you should spay them. Also, my dogs are not just out having random sex, getting pregnant. So it's not as though having Cardi unspayed for three years was a massive risk. It was lockdown. Vets were not prioritizing stuff like this. I think they were closed for some of the time. We just didn't make it a priority until now. And I think for a brief period, Bobby loves Cardi so much. She's his dog. She was supposed to be Violet's dog, but you know what happens. The dad says, no dog, no dog. You get a dog. That's dad's dog. Bobby loves Cardi so much. He started thinking, hmm, maybe I should, you know, have one puppy because Cardi's so special. She's so unique. Maybe we'll mate her one time and keep those puppies. Now you know and I know that every time you mate a designer dog, you're giving up a place of a rescue dog. We're supposed to be sustainable now. We're supposed to only get rescue dogs. I'm sorry, but I have exactly zero rescue dogs. But I also gave birth to my own kids. I, uh, if I were a better person, I would foster or adopt and have rescue dogs, but I'm not a good person. But I know what the right way is, the sustainable way, the climate-friendly way is to give homes to people who need it and dogs who need it. Didn't do that, but I've spayed my dog now. Took her in 9 a.m. on the Monday. I needed to be back at 9.30 a.m. on the Monday to start my voiceover work. And Bobby loves Cardi so much. You know, he was on the fence about spaying her anyway, and he's like, I can't do it. I can't be there. Bobby is such a sweet soul. He cannot watch Fred's inoculations, take Fred for inoculations, give a dog medicine. He can't do anything that hurts anyone. And I think that's very sweet. And I'm happy to do it because, you know, it needs to be done. So I said, don't worry about it. I will take Cardi down the road to the vet at 9 a.m. I will walk Fred there in the buggy. The baby can have a nap. Take Cardi to the vet. Turn around. Come back home. I will be back in 30 minutes for my voiceover. I'm ready to start work. Fred will have had a nap. Everyone's happy. So Bobby says, well, maybe I should drive you. I said, drive me? The vet is just 10 minutes down the road and Fred needs a nap. No, I'll walk. And Bobby kept saying, no, I think maybe I should drive you. I should drive you. No. I'm, I'm fine, Bobby. I'll see you at 930. I'm only going to be gone, what, 30 minutes. So I get to the vet, and I see Bobby's calling my phone. I answer. He goes, I feel really bad. I think I should at least pick you up and drive you back. And I said, Bobby, why? The baby's asleep. He said, I think Cardi, after her spaying, will have a hard time walking home. What the hell is wrong with men? I said, you don't spay a dog in 30 seconds, Bobby. I'm dropping Cardi off. She's having major surgery. She's having her ovaries removed. Hang on a second. Carrie, please approach. Carrie, come here. You're now a guest on Catherine Ryan telling everybody everything. What would you like? Five minutes to, to go. Oh, okay. I thought it was lunchtime. What's going on? Oh, Why did you just back to front? left me in a corner over here? <laughs> okay, so we're having this chat in five minutes. Yeah. And then it's lunch? I don't care. 
listen, do you think it would be possible to send a runner to Tesco? Because yeah. I brought a bunch of copies of my book to give out to cast and crew. I didn't want to force my book on anyone because there's a lot of saucy content in there. I can't just give that to like a young sound engineer and be like, read about the time that I had sex. You know what I mean? Okay. So I just thought I'd put them out. I don't want my own Me Too move, move moment. So I put them out there, but now they're almost all gone. So we were thinking maybe we could give a bank card to a runner and send them to Tesco to buy all the copies there because Tesco has extra content that features Jen and Fiona. Is that allowed? I don't I'll ask a question, I'm sure. Because we could go. No, no, no. Maybe I could go and I'll film myself there and make it a nice social media moment. No, no, no. I'm Some sure Christmas can, marketing. I'm sure we can do it. Um, Am I allowed to go? Am I allowed to leave this no. the premises? Why? COVID? You also don't want to be stuck into Tesco. I don't care. I go to Tesco. Who do you think I am? Ramesh? The Tesco in town? Yeah. The big Tesco. Yeah. On, on New Street? Yeah. Catherine Ryan. Absolutely not. Not in that outfit. I can go, and Jen can come with me, maybe Fiona will come, maybe we'll go as a trio. We're all in the book, and we can film it, we can make it a Christmas sale boost. Come on, I'll sign a bunch of the copies there, it'll be great. Can you imagine, amongst the Christmas markets as well? Why not? I'm not as famous I'm as sure you think. I'm sure we can probably get a run, yeah, I'm sure you are. I'm really not. Only if you watch comedy. And then we'll do the opening this camera, and then we're going to do the challenge launch back to back, and then and both. then lunch. And then lunch. It really feels like people are having 1:30, lunch now. Around one thirty. Yeah, because we're, we're going to do all your bits with. Got it. Someone. Yeah. So got got it. an hour and a half for lunch. I'm afraid. Okay. Well, I can okay. do my podcast. Okay. I'll see you then. Bye bye. So I get to the veterinary place. Bobby insists on driving us home because he thinks that you spay a dog in under a minute somehow. And I said, what do you think they're gonna do? And he said, well, I just thought you take her in and they like snip something in her vagina and then she's done. And I was like, God, no wonder there are so many men worldwide who have low empathy for what women go through medically. She's having a full like, well, she didn't have a hysterectomy. She had an ovarectomy. But a lot of times the dog is having like full surgery. So I said to him, Bobby, she's going under. General anesthetic should be there till 6 p.m. We're gonna pick her up at dinner. And he was floored. He was like, what? Oh, God. And so I've broken his heart with that news. But I mean, he, wa- he watched me deliver our son. I just don't get it. I just, where, we went to biology class together in high school. Like, he definitely learned how things work. Goddamn. So anyway, the news is Cardi's spayed. And I think she's going to be better for it because she cries a lot. She whines a lot. Hello, Rob. Please approach the bench. Please come here. You're a guest now on Telling Everybody Everything. Oh, good. What would you like? Um, I was wondering if you could do a piece to camera with... Ah, don't say that. I have to take that out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was wondering if you could do a piece to camera with one of our special surprise guests. I will do that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I'll be right back. They lie. You heard it here first. They lie at the BBC about how long you have till lunch. Did you hear that? You have an hour and a half. Catherine, actually, Catherine, come with us now. Gosh, I feel tremendously gaslit by this production, but I love it so much, and I'll be sad when it's done. Let's get to your letters. I think we should just dive right in, because I did very few of them last week, and this week, I have a question from someone who's pregnant in Peru. Catherine, I'd like to hear your opinion on the bizarre situation I've landed myself in. I came to Peru nine months ago to travel. Upon my travels, I fell in love with a beautiful Peruvian man. After one month, we were living together in a city in the mountains. After two months, I found out I was pregnant. After a lot of back and forth, I decided to keep the baby. 
I'm 25 and pretty broke, but somehow I think I can manage this. Yes, you can. Newborns are not like essentially very expensive. You can have an expensive baby or you can have a free baby. Lots of poor women have babies and look after them very well. I was poor when Violet was born and I was 25 and I was a better mother then than I am now. She goes on. My partner, despite not wanting the baby, has been incredibly supportive and loving to me during this time. He's a good man and we really want to make our new relationship work. It won't. Um, I, it will not work. He doesn't want the baby. Even people who want a baby don't really want the day-to-day struggle that comes with having a baby. You know, you've got existential fulfillment and love there, but it is the most trying test that your relationship will ever face. If he doesn't want a baby, and he's in his 20s like you are especially, I mean, even if he's in his 40s, no, he's gone. He's gone. You're going to fight. This relationship is doomed, I'm sorry to say. She goes on. I'm excited for my baby. I know I will make a lovely mom. My partner thinks I should have the baby in Peru, as this is... What? You need me now? All right, I'll come. Let me read this email. Yeah, we need you on set, please, Catherine. Rob. All right, watch. But this woman's pregnant in Peru, and she's only 25. Do you feel like, basically, her situation is this. Should she have the baby in Peru, where she plans to live with a man who, by the way, doesn't want the baby, but is, quote, incredibly supportive? Or should she get her ass back to Scotland pronto? Scotland. Exactly. Exactly. Don't have a baby in a foreign country and think that, you know, your husband who doesn't, your boyfriend, rather, who doesn't even want to have a baby, isn't going to try to snatch him from you once you're there. I think you can have a baby in a foreign country and then call your consulate and immediately announce the birth to your Scottish government so that uh, the baby's birth can be recorded uh, so the baby's Scottish. But listen, i got to go. I'll be right back. I'm back. I've been thinking about you this whole time. Uh, Here's the end of her email, by the way. I know I'll be a lovely mom. My partner thinks I should have the baby in Peru. This is where we plan to live for at least the next year. However, I'm scared of getting trapped in this country if our relationship doesn't work out. I have to be realistic. We've been together only six months. And not being able to travel home to Scotland with my baby for legal reasons. I'm currently 23 weeks pregnant and I'm going to have to make the decision. Will I return home to give birth or do I do it here pretty soon? I don't have much money, so the ticket home would be another massive cost I'd have to save for. Uh, true. Oh, and she has no good family or friends in Peru. Listen, uh, I don't know how you, about to give birth in a very short time, can even have feelings for someone who's like, yeah, I'll continue to be your partner, but I don't want this baby. I think a lot of people, I won't say women, but I think a lot of people have this idea that, oh, once the baby's here, he'll change. Yeah, for the worst. I don't think any man in the history of the world has changed for the better once a baby comes along. Because, you know, dads who want a baby, sure, fine, great. But, I mean, if he's expressed that he doesn't, fuck him. Go back to Scotland and find someone else. Because I think if it's meant to be, he'll come find you in Scotland. But you don't need to be saddled in Peru with the baby of a man who doesn't want to have a baby. Just go back to Scotland. It's the safest thing. This baby... You're going to love this baby more than you ever, ever loved any man. And you want to be in the safest position for the baby and for you. I'm sorry, guys, because I do believe in true love. And I had my daughter in a foreign country, but I would urge you all to rent or download or stream the film Not Without My Daughter, starring Sally Fields. It's a great movie, and it will also just kind of bring home the worst-case scenario of what can happen when you're outside of your own legal jurisdiction. 
I'm back in London now. Let's have a beautiful message from our wonderful sponsors, and then I'll get back to some more emails. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ooh, I like this. The next letter is called How to Leave a Good Husband. And guys, gals, sometimes you have to leave a good husband. Someone doesn't have to be a monster to justify you moving on with your life. A good person may not be the right person. Ideally, you will only have good partners. And then you'll be able to whittle from those down to what makes you truly happy and who is your soulmate. And maybe that soulmate is yourself. Maybe it's a cat. Let's get on with the letter. Catherine, I'd like to discuss with you my marriage problem. I've been married for almost six years now to this quote unquote nice guy. He is nice and he's a good and very involved father to our five-year-old daughter. So what's the problem? Well, I have no feelings for him. Less than zero. I suppose it was a buildup of many little disappointments, neglect, and horrible communication. It's gotten to the point where I can't be in the same room with him. Uh, She's got the ick. I can't stand his voice, his expressions, the way he eats, the noise he makes after he drinks something, the way he breathes with his mouth, his presence. I totally get that. Isn't it so funny? I mean, when I was leaving my daughter's father, she was at the age where she was very, very young, and I would be feeding her or I'd be watching her eat. And just the, the sight of Violet eating, you know, gaining sustenance. I was like, yes, it was the most fulfilling experience of my life when Violet ate. And she's like a baby, right? She's messy. And I didn't care about any of that. I was like, yes, she's eating. And then he would eat. And I'd be like, God damn it. This means he will live to see another day. And that's no one's fault, but situational. You know, the people that give you the ick, you don't want to see them eat. You don't want to see them breathe. You definitely hate their presence. And that is your central nervous system. Just screaming, get me out of here. It's gotten so bad that if I accidentally make eye contact with him, (laughs) I feel chills down my spine. I feel stress, heart racing, and blood pressure rising just by being in the same room with him. I hate it if he even looks at me. Part of me wishes he would just cheat on me so that he could be the villain and we could call it a day. This is me. This was my life. What kills me most is the guilt. I feel like I'm the only person unhappy in this family and wants to call it quits. He wants to stay. If we break up, it will only be because I lost feelings for him. He would suffer the rejection and my daughter would suffer not being able to live with her dad whom she loves. To make matters worse, we've moved from Canada to Japan, my idea, less than two years ago. So it's like I've dragged him out of his hometown and then I'm going to leave him in a foreign country. 
Am I the bad guy? I'll always be from anyone's point of view. My wonderful mom worries he would fall into depression and get sick. My sister gave a judgmental look and said, And he'll live alone? Here? I keep trying to justify how I feel, coming up with many excuses as to why I feel this way. Sometimes it gets so complex in my head, but at the end of the day, I just don't like him. My whole being from head to toe, my soul, my gut, rejects him. And I wish I could just say that to anyone who would ask, including him. Supposedly, it's simple, but just the thought of having to explain makes everything impossibly complicated. I feel so guilty that I just can't stay in this quote-unquote normal family and be content and grow this family like everyone else does. Everyone else doesn't, by the way. I'm not looking for answers, Catherine. Well, then why'd you email me? I just wanted to share this with you. (laughs) Well, okay, I'm going to give you answers anyway. Look, you can't help how you feel. You only have control over how you react and how you act. But your intellectual self is very different from your central nervous system, your like lizard self, if you want to call it that. And I don't mean in a David Icke way. I just mean like your animal brain, your central nervous system is rejecting him. You are overcomplicating this thinking, oh, what's he going to do without me? When you have some golden pussy, like he's never going to move on. He's going to move on. He's going to be okay. People get broken up with marriages, you know, don't work all the time and people survive. I think you need to have a little bit more faith in the man you chose to be the father of your daughter that he will find a way, he'll be sad for a while, uh, and he will grieve this loss. But ultimately, he deserves to be with someone who wants to suck him off, who wants to spend time with him, who wants to hold his hand, who wants to look at him, you know? And we've all felt this in the end of a relationship, just like, ew, get away from me. And you feel like a bad person because that is a bad way to treat someone. You, you have enough respect for the father of your daughter that you want him to be happy. And you wish that you could look at him the way you used to, but you can't. So liberate him from this prison and let him find someone else who can. Japan, I've read, is not the best place for this because, you know, not to be racist, but I have read that people have like online Tamagotchi style girlfriends because they're very logical and they want to work and they don't want to waste time on relationships. Hmm. So that's a problem. If, if true, this was a Japanese documentary, by the way, made by Japanese people. So I don't mean to be rude about Japan. I love Japan, but, um, would you guys all move back to Canada? Is that something you'd be interested in doing? Would he be interested? I think if you go, look, I shouldn't have moved us here. I don't think, uh, that this relationship can ever be repaired. But what I know for certain right now is that we need to be apart and you will have access to your daughter. Your daughter loves you. You know, it's don't worry about your daughter because she'll always have access to her dad. Her dad's not going to kill himself, you know, and, and I worried about the same thing. I'm sorry, but we read violent stories about men and we think, oh my God, I leave him. Is he going to kill me? Is he going to like kill himself? What's going to happen? And that you need to step away from that because the reality is that most people have access to support and they have, you know, sturdy mental health. And that isn't the case. It's just, that's what we read about and see on the news. So just go, you deserve to be with someone who really fancies you. And I don't, and I'm sorry that I don't, it's nothing that you did. I don't want to leave the door open and give any false hope, but ideally I would like us to be a family, but that just doesn't exist right now. So let's be a part and revisit this in a year and see how we feel. Date other people, go on Tinder, like Japanese Tinder or whatever, or let's move back to Canada. And the pandemic has been hard on people too. So, I mean, 
if you do this in a respectful way, you haven't cheated or anything or lied, then maybe you can have the family that you want down the road, but you can't see that now. And right now you need to be apart and you can't feel guilty about it because you are keeping him in a prison of your disgust. Liberate this man. Here's someone whose boyfriend feels neglected. Catherine, I've been with my boyfriend for a little over a year. We met on Tinder, and at first I didn't want anything serious. I'm a single mom, and I wasn't really ready to let someone into my life and my son's life. However, we really got on, and I fell in love with how honest, kind, and supportive he was of me. He's even met my son, and it went well, much better than I actually anticipated. I'm 26. I've recently started a degree in mental health nursing at university, and obviously it's been a struggle to balance that, being a single mom, and my part-time job as a medical secretary at my local hospital. God, you're such a good person. My boyfriend has said recently he feels like I haven't been the same with him, that I seem distant, or that he gets the impression that I don't want to talk to him. I assured him this wasn't the case, but that I had a lot going on with starting university, and I'm just trying to strike a balance. He said, sorry for adding extra pressure to your life, which isn't how I felt at all. I guess what I'm struggling with is that I feel he wants to be the most important part of my life and he isn't. He never will be. I just don't know what to do. I don't want to feel like I'm second guessing myself all the time so that I don't come across disinterested. I went through a lot of this too. When you are a mother who's dating, then I think these child-free men don't really understand why you don't give them the same level of attention that maybe a fancy-free 19-year-old Instagram model would be able to give them. And I felt guilty about this in one of my relationships where he was always like, let's do this. Let's go on a holiday. Let's spend money on this. Let's." And I was always like, I only want to spend money on my house and my child. If I have extra money, it would be very irresponsible for me to go with you to Morocco. No thanks. And also, I don't want to go with you to Morocco. And um, you will never be a priority. He would say, you and your daughter, you're so codependent. I'd be like, yeah, we are. What are you talking about? She can't get, have a bank account. She's three. Like, uh, yes, we're codependent. I was breastfeeding her up until a year and a half ago. Fuck off. Um, and sometimes I would, you know, have empathy for that and go, well, all the girlfriends he had before me could totally devote themselves to him. And I guess, oh, I don't know. If you, someone that you really love and want to spend time with and is understanding of your situation will not feel neglected. He will feel like a priority. He will admire how busy you are. Just look at Maya Jama. Maya Jama is in a relationship with a famous athlete that's public now. I didn't know that it, it was, but then I saw, oh, wait a minute. I saw that in the news. Uh, so I can talk about it freely. But she is busy. Maya Jama, if you don't know, I mean, you should know. She's a British actress, uh, presenter, model, personality, brand ambassador, business owner. She's just incredible. And she looks like a fucking movie star. She starts dating this American. I think he's American. I don't know about sports. He plays sports, sports player. Play. I don't know what sport. And <laughs> apparently he's very famous, but I'm sorry. It's not my wheelhouse. And she's flying, you know, because I follow Maya on Instagram. I know her just a little bit. I see her flying, flying, flying here, flying there. She's in Jamaica. She's in LA. She's moving around, but not very often. You know, she gets chunks of time that she can go out and devote to him because she is a single mother to her blossoming career. And I see that relationship. I see her back in the UK working 
like something crazy, like 40 days in a row she'll work. She'll be up in a car at 4 a.m. on Instagram. She'll be in hair and makeup. She'll be doing some boxing hosting. Then she's doing stand-up to cancer. She's so busy. And then I'll see, she'll walk into her flat and there'll be flowers from this boyfriend, like this beautiful, very LA style American floral arrangement being like, well done, babe. Keep smashing it. So proud of you. He's busy. She's busy. And I know that Instagram, you don't see everything, but I, I certainly don't imagine that that man is going, well, why do you have to take so many jobs in London? What about me? He's, you know, championing her stratospheric rise to success. And that's the best thing about that relationship that from an outside point, you know, as a fan, I like to see it. And I think everyone deserves to have a partner like that. And I think that's why someone like Maya Jama, who could have anybody in the world, is happy to be with this man, you know, and you, this, again, this boyfriend doesn't have to be a bad guy for him not to be the right guy. You like him. You've been dating a year, but ultimately whether he's whinging or not, or like trying his best or not, he is putting a strain on you because he's going, what about me? Sorry, bitch. I'm a mental health nurse and I'm a single mom. So I'll slot you in when I can. And if you feel disrespected by that, you're not the man for me. Next. Oh, here's one in response to an earlier, much earlier podcast, the one titled What's a Spleen? He said, Catherine, I'm late to the party, but when I listened to the episode What's a Spleen, in some of your emails, you said you never see older women dating 18-year-old boys. Well, when I was 18, I was sleeping with a woman who was 35. Only till recently and having therapy, I've come to terms with the fact that I was being taken advantage of by her. Only difference being she was very attractive and had no money. And I personally think I'm ugly and had a bit of money then too. I've seen her about town since with lads who also look 18. One of the worst things is if I ever call it taken advantage of, people say, what? You lived most 18-year-old boys dream. So although it is rare, it does happen. I'm not being all hashtag not all men or women aren't perfect either, but I thought it might be of note to know. Well, listen, I totally get that. Some women will date 18-year-olds, and I know that's legal, but it doesn't make it right. I really think that if you are established and you're approaching your 40s, you don't have any business dating an 18-year-old fucking anybody. I think it's sick. And uh, no, you're not breaking the law, but there are lots of things that I think are bullshit that aren't breaking the law. Um... Though <laughs> they turn out to be maybe breaking the law, Matt Hancock, you dumbass. But um, I just think it happens more often in uh, culture, in media, in, you know, I guess more often there are older rich men because that's the way the world works. Most CEOs are rich, older men. And then I see so many men with younger women, Scott Disick is the one I always bang on about who dates teenagers, 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 20 year olds. I think it's sick, but of course it can happen with women too. And I don't know why we're less likely to do it. Uh, I think maybe, I know genders are very fluid and non-binary now, but I think traditionally anyway, women tend to value different things. But sure, there will be 35-year-old women out there looking for an 18-year-old toy boy. And girls, ladies, if that's you, yeah, I think you're just as bad as Scott Disick. You're not breaking the law, but I think you're gross. I'm sorry that happened to you. You deserve to be able to say you got taken advantage of. And people shouldn't shame you for that by going, oh, no, it's every boy's dream. No, it isn't. It really isn't every boy's dream to be dominated by a woman twice his age. 
I mean, even when I say it now, it sounds sexy because that's what we've been conditioned to think that it is every boy's dream. But if uh, I have a son now, and it didn't take me having a son to know this was wrong, but if any 40 year old woman tries to sleep with my 80 year old son, or any 40 year old man tries to sleep with my 18 year old son, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong, baby. You're getting fucked up. I think it's not just an age thing, it's down to a power imbalance. I believe in consenting equal adult relationships, and that can't exist if there's ever a massive power imbalance. Um, So let's say one person in the relationship earns the money and people are the same age. That person should never come home and be like, well, you don't, all the money's mine and none of it's yours. You know, that is a disgusting display of a power imbalance. I always say in our home, Bobby and I are 100% equal. He puts in the effort at home that I put in at work equally when we're both busy. And I never would say to my child, even, you don't have money, I have all the money. I would never say to my spouse, you don't earn the money, I earn the That's sick. Equally, I think that if you have a head start of 20 or 30 or more years experience uh, to your partner, and I know a lot of people actually have emailed me and they've been like, I'm 23 and my boyfriend's 50 and we love each other. I start to forgive it when you get into actual adulthood. If you're 50 and your boyfriend is 90, or if you're 60 and your wife is 100 years old, I think that's fine. If you're 30, you know what I mean? If you're both adults who've lived some life experience, but when one of you is an actual teenager, when one of you still lives with their parents, when one of you hasn't had anywhere near the type of life experience that the other person has to the point that you're basically barely legal, that's where I draw the line because it's a power imbalance. So. Apply that wherever you will. Hi, boys. The Book of Boys are here. Hi, Fred Fred. Hello. Fred's dad just got him from his bed. So Fred went to sleep at nine, and then he woke up. Fred's dad, the uh, handsome and very infamous on this podcast, Bobby K, made me put Fred to bed in his own bed at 9 a.m., and I didn't want to. I wanted to walk around with him in the carrier because I missed him so much. But his dad said, no, Fred has to sleep in his own bed, didn't he? And then what happened, Fred? He woke up at 9.15 because he realized he was alone. And then, Fred, Daddy went upstairs, didn't you, Dad? Got you back to sleep? And how long did he sleep for after that? Look at him. He looks so self-satisfied. He's like, ha, ha. Fred doesn't like to sleep at all. And we're going to monkey music. This is not an ad, but monkey music is a great class. They have uh, lessons throughout the UK where you go and you do, like, sensory play and listen to, to music. And that's what we're doing today. And then we're going to um, forego the train journey to Manchester. And we're going to get in my tour manor, manager, Annie's car. We're going to drive there. Will that be four hours? Will that be five, six, ten hours? Nobody knows. And that's the fun of it. Oh, God. Why am I touring with a baby? All right. That's going to have to be the end of telling everybody everything today. Sorry for being a day late, but we got there, didn't we? We're very busy. And we will try our hardest to always have this podcast out on time because I do love the conversation. Thank you for your emails. Please keep sending them. The address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. If you haven't purchased The Audacity, that is my memoir slash like comedy book slash advice book, it's actually very good and people are loving it. Go read some of the reviews or just, you know, if you are a fan of me, then go out and get that book. You can get it for uh, the full cost at a bookseller place 
or you can get it discounted at an online retailer. You can get the audiobook. Some people are asking, I'm in America. It's very difficult to find your book. Right, we don't have a publishing deal there, so you can't get it in America at all. Um, you can buy tickets to see me on tour in 2022. There are some tickets still available. And you should definitely listen to my mom's new podcast. It's called Jewels Says. That's J-E-W-E-L-S Says. Her podcast episode this week is starring my very good friend, Andrew Johnston, the creator of Bitch Salad. If you have read my book, you'll know who Andrew is. He stays with my mom a lot. They're like basically BFFs. He is a guest on her podcast. It's a good one. My mom's just killing it with the podcast. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your letters. I'll see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.